join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. New Year's is now in the rearview mirror. By now, some of the excitement about our New Year's resolutions may be dying down, much like my excitement for Chelsea Football Club as we get further and further into the season. If you're looking for performance apparel that can help give you the extra push you need to keep up with your health goals, Viore has you covered. Viore creates incredibly versatile and comfortable activewear designed to look great in everyday life in and out of the gym, or in my case, on or off the tennis court. Plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint by offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 and beyond. They are utilizing better sustainable materials for their products, empowering your best active life. With Viore, you can feel good about the things you buy and also how they are made. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash MIB. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash MIB. Not only Will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any US orders over $75 and free returns? Trust me, go to viore.com slash MIB and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. You're listening to the Men in Blazers Media Network, Suboptimal Radio. There was an Everton defender called Tony Hibbert, a great, great cult hero. And he played hundreds of games and never scored. And the Everton fans had a chant for him saying, when Hibbo scores, we riot. Do you know how many goals you've scored in your career? I mean, in the end of cell, I feel like maybe zero. Am I Tony Hibbert? <laughs> <laughs> it's Rog back with another episode of The Women's Game, presented by Paramount+. Plus, A truly joyous episode, because return to us, we have, well, first up, one of the wisest human beings I know, a great American hero, Portland Thorns icon, the people's captain, the only Becky with the good hair that this podcast will ever recognise. Oh, welcome back. It's Becky Sauerbrun. Rod, you invited me back. I'm a little surprised. Few things more surprising than Becky Sauerbrun have a starting slot on this podcast whenever, whatever. I will always be there. But alongside you, team me up. I think for the first all Portland podcast in women's game history... It's the Yinza Maldini herself, the greatest pump-up wordsmith in the history of the National Women's Soccer League, one of the truest sources of joy in this dark, dark world. Welcome back, Megan Klingenberg. Hello. Lovely to be here, Raj. <laughs> Always with you, but also with the people's captain, Rebecca Sarabraton. <laughs> Clink, you said, when are you going to have me and Becky on together? You were the initiator of this pairing. I did. I totally did. I, I mean, Becky's my bestie. How could I not have a, a pod with her? And I just felt like, you know, we, we, we riff off each other in the locker room. And I feel like we, we crack up our little corner that we sit in. Uh, so why not do it for the public as well? Give the people what they want. <laughs> and by the people, we mean we mean the Kling. Whenever Kling tells me to do something, I will get it done. But there's not often I get to sit down with two automatic starters from Good Vibes FC. Oh, yes. Good Vibes indeed. Kling, it is incredible to have you back. Becky, honestly, it feels like the last time we had you on was so long ago that I still had all my head of hair and so much has happened since we last spoke. World Cup qualifying. So what, 20 years ago? Uh, about 45. The Euros, <laughs> the new Beyonce album, but possibly, most importantly, in the eyes of this podcast, and we have to go a little further back for this, but we need to address it up top because we haven't seen you since this happened. Becky, you scored a goal. Free kick here for Portland, went for goal. Oh, it's Sauerbrunn! It is Sauerbrunn grabbing a goal! The Thorns lead by two! And the world is celebrating that! I did. I really did. I mean, it was a tap-in goal from two yards out, but I absolutely put it in the back of the net super assertively. 
My memory has it down as a glorious long-range strike from two yards out against Orlando <laughs> Pride, June 19th. Really, a rare double rainbow-like occurrence. The Sauerbrunn goal, your first in three years, but who's counting? Your first as a thorn. What does it feel like when you do it? Exactly that. Like, I can't believe that just happened. I totally understand now why forwards, like, love scoring goals. It's such a cool feeling. And I somehow, like, had enough presence to do like a little celebration. And funny story about that celebration is that when I met Zola, we met in college at UVA, we were at a party. Your partner. My partner, yeah. So been together for a really long time. We're at a party, he's chatting me up. And all of a sudden they just start chanting his name, like Zola, Zola. And I'm like, you you better give the people what they want. And so he's like pretending like he doesn't hear. And all of a sudden he does it. He does like the Hulk Hogan, like, let me hear it. And it literally was for a keg stand. And so he goes and does the keg stand. And two things happened in that moment. I, one, realized that I had fallen in love with him. And two, was totally going to steal that for some part in my life. I stole that from Zola. So this now forever classic, Becky Sauerbrunn, two ear, let me hear that roar. Mm -hmm. That's where it comes from. That is where it came from. God, God bless you, Zola, for giving American football fans just a searing moment that is now born into all of our memories because your goal scoring is so well let's say i'd say you could use the word infrequent but i would prefer to say highly memorable <laughs> do, you, do you have a whole host of sellies for each moment how do you like choose amongst them oh absolutely not in the moment like right when the ball hit the back of the net i just lost my shit. and so that's pretty typical for when i score a goal <laughs> i just like something leaves i leave my body and my body's just reacting off like pure joy and then it comes back together and I'm like, okay, this is great. I scored my goal. Maybe I'll do something. Look at like, look at Kling and be like, oh my God. And she's like, oh my God. But really it's just mayhem. I actually was not on the field that day. And yeah. it's one of my biggest regrets of the season is not being on the field when Becky Sauerbrunn scored. I was actually up in the stands and we have like our own little box and it's like really high. And I was like right on the edge and I was like jumping up and down and I was freaking out. I was a little bit scared I was going to fall over the edge. I didn't. Cliffhanger averted. <laughs> but um, I'm, I was like so happy for Becky and like so disappointed for myself all at once. It was some emotions that I really had to work through. God, you know, uh, there was an Everton defender called Tony Hibbert, a great, great cult hero. I actually named a dog uh, after Tony Hibbert. And he played hundreds of games and never scored. And the Everton fans had a chant for him saying, when Hibbo scores, we riot. I mean, it, Kling, does the rest of the Thorns locker room love a Sauerbrunn goal as much as we do? Oh, absolutely. I don't know if you watch, but everybody was like losing their sh they were losing their <laughs> on the field, like, absolutely. Uh, no, it's so fun. I think anytime one of our defenders scores, we rally for them. Uh, we love a defensive goal. And actually, I've been, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I'm getting some, like, top-of-the-box chances, and I've really been – there's no other words for, for it but in the bed. And so I have <laughs> been on the coaches being like, listen, I know that I need to practice my back post clearances – I know that I got to get my head on that little baby because that is a really dangerous cross. But also, maybe, just maybe, I need to be up there working with the forwards a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Becky, you've now scored five goals in the NWSL, three with Kansas City, one with the Royals, and that mighty thunderous finish with the Thorns. Kling, it's fair to say the Klingenberg goal is also a bit of a unicorn, I believe. Do you know how many goals you've scored in your career? I feel like maybe zero. <laughs> I mean, in the NWSL, I feel like maybe zero. Am I Tony Hibber? And God, God, that's an incredible <laughs> question. That's, you never want to be the Tony Hibbert in life. As players whose successes and failures are not measured in goals, defenders essentially, when you do score them and you have scored them, you have... Kling, how can you forget your goal against Costa Rica oh, in Pittsburgh so after the World Cup in 2015? Oh, I'll never forget that one. My mom actually was like super stoked that it was in Pittsburgh, like my whole family. So she set up this Pittsburgh tailgate, okay? 
for all of our friends and family, it was going to be like 25 to like 30 people. Okay. 100 people show up. They actually had a call up for Manny Brothers, which is the almost famous like sandwich place from Pittsburgh. It's it's like legendary. It's pretty much the most Pittsburgh thing that you could ever eat. You basically get a sandwich and they put fries on it, and that's Permanis. Okay, so my mom calls them up and they're like, (laughs) "SOS, send help." There's a hundred people at this tailgate. I invited twenty five. Like, how did we get here? So they send out all these sandwiches. So mom is like in the middle of this tailgate. Uh, is like trying to fix the food situation, fix the beer situation. Permanis comes through. I need a shout out to Permanis. They like really came through that day. But because of that, mom like kind of almost missed the game <laughs> because she was uh, organizing this tailgate. So she's like hurting everybody in. She's like, let's go. We're going to the stadium now. Then the second part is, uh, you know, I got, I was playing outside back and then got moved to forward. So I go to forward and and Jill was like go score a goal and I'm like hell yes I will so then like running up there by the way great coaching I know I know incredible (laughs) coaching it's like simple and to the point so anyways Tovin was like down the line she crosses it in I've never had a better touch in the six yard box in my entire life and it goes in and like Becky said out of body experience completely lose my mind and the best thing ever is like I was like freaking out because I knew there was a terrible towel over on the sidelines, which is like the towel that everybody weighs for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I was like, I'm going to get that right now. So I start running that way and Abby Wambach comes to like give me a hug. And she's like trying to, you know, she's like, yeah, this is so cool. So cool. And I'm I'm like, get the out the way, Abby. <laughs> I basically like, I'm like, get out the way. <laughs> like, push her aside, run to the sideline, slap everybody's hand, grab the terrible towel and start waving it. And so, uh, yeah, that was definitely the most memorable goal ever. And I kind of feel like any other goal pales into comparison to that one in front of, you know, all my friends and families that have been stuffing their faces with her Manny Brothers for hours. There was like 40,000 people there, too. There was a lot of people. It was nuts. Oh, God. By the way, just for the record, the greatest Primanti's order, the Pitts burger, the beef patty, tomato, <laughs> lettuce, plus the French fries and coleslaw. Of course, it's on white bread. But because you are both players whose success and failures are measured in stopping goals rather than scoring them, does that make them feel more or less meaningful when you both actually get one? Hmm. I would... I guess I'd actually kind of say less meaningful because to me, it's just kind of like <laughs> icing icing on the cake, but like I've got the cake. So the icing's just extra. I was thinking that it's not necessarily that we stop them that makes them more meaningful to me. It's that they're so rare and that we don't get forward so much, especially Becky. I mean, Becky only gets up in the box when there's like free kicks or something insane happened on the field in the run of play. So we don't really get into positions to score that often. So it's just this rare thing. And when it happens, it's it feels amazing. A goal or a shutout? If I could offer you either of them. Shutout. Shut out. Look at that. Not even a second of hesitation <laughs> in any regard. And I'm curious, even goalkeepers I've spoken to talk about being initiated into the position as kids, they were often like the greatest footballer on the field. And just over time, they got moved further and further back until like Brad Guzan suddenly like, oh my God, what are these gloves? And then he just stuck with it. Do you think there's a personality aspect to it as well? Determining which kids get sorted into becoming defenders mentally and which end up as strikers. Is there a psychological difference? A psychological difference. I... I think we probably like I'm thinking things that we share Klingenberg and I would say like we're both very gritty and tenacious and we don't quit on plays. But as far as personalities, like we probably couldn't be more different. That's so true. Like you were crazy. Yeah, you're you're wild. I'm not. I'm weird. But very. We do share some like really (laughs) fundamental things. What a lot of times happens is I don't know about you, Becky, but I was like 10 or 7-Eleven until college, until after college. And then for the U20 World Cup, played 
outside back and then it kind of stuck. Were you always center back? No, I was I was like center mid, but I was definitely middle of the field defensively oriented for sure early on. Yeah. Yeah, I was not. So I don't know. I think sometimes it's interesting. We think that we can just like take this. This is something that like really bothers me sometimes. <laughs> we just think that we could take forwards and put them at outside back or put them in the back line and that they're just going to like be great because we want our outside, you know, outside backs to attack. And I'm like, listen, that's like not even half the job. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so much that goes into defending. It's like a whole unit within a unit and you have to be symbiotic with your, with your outside back, with your center mids, with your goalkeeper, with your center back, uh, with with the players that are in front of you, you have to communicate and move all of the pieces that are in front of you so that you can defend as a unit. And you have to be able to tackle, you have to be able to head, you have to do the back post, you have to be able to like 1v1 defend, 1v1 attack, you have to be able to pass going forward. You have to be able to attack from the worst position on the field, okay? The defender, you have a defender on your back, which is the uh, the touchline. You have defenders coming at you, and you have the least amount of people to pass to at outside back. I mean, it's just like, it's a really difficult position. And then on top of that, it's one of the most physical uh, demanding positions that you could have as well. So it kind of bothers me just a little bit, if you could tell, when we just take a player and like, oh, they'll be great here because they can attack. And it's like, okay, that's great. I, I'm so happy that they can attack, but they, can they do all these other things really well? You know, let me throw this one out. Awesome Wenger once told me this, and I don't know if you relate or don't relate. He said, players who love to win become attackers. Players who hate to lose defend. I think maybe I used to be that person, but now I don't think in terms of winning and losing anymore um, because I think that just like used to put so much pressure on myself. And now I just think in terms of, okay, what, why do I play? And that's what I play for every single time I step on the field. So I play for my purpose and I play for joy and connection with my teammates and to have fun. And if I do those things, then I know most likely that we're going to win because when I, when I, no, it's true though. Like when I bring those things, like when I bring those things, I'm bringing my best. And when I bring my best, then I help everybody else bring their best. And when we all bring our best collectively, then we're going to be a team that's really hard to beat. Cling is on like a higher plane of, of everything, of, of learning, of living. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so for the common folk, um, for me, I think as a defender, I see myself as more of a floor raiser as opposed to a ceiling raiser. And so as a floor raiser, I think for me, like, I really hate to lose. And if I can get the people around me to hate to lose, kind of to Cling's point, like, you're probably going to win then. To all floor raisers who are listening, unite. Last question on this one, because it is fascinating. Is there an alternate universe somewhere out there where either of you imagines themselves as a striker? Oh, I mean, <laughs> when I do my imagery before games, sometimes I'll get lost in doing this. Like, I just go for it and I'm just like doing all these moves. I'm juking these people, like chip the keeper and then I have to like, okay, Becky, you know, go back to like tackling that player, connecting that pass. But <laughs> I absolutely get lost just imagining me just scoring these golassos. The Like the imagery that you're doing in the locker room is going to have a whole new meaning for me as I'm sitting next to you watching you do your imagery <laughs> now. I can't wait. I'll be like, ooh, Becky, there, I see her. She's scoring that goal right there. She's <laughs> – that's hilarious. I always try and tell our coaches that I'm ready for like the 10 roll or the nine roll, uh, but I would, I would choose 10. I just think it's so fun. It's just, it's like definition of freedom on the field to be 10. You get to like join an attack in every attack, whichever attack you want to. Um, and you basically are the, not only the connector, but the creator, the final passer, the person that is the captain of the ship, essentially the the heart of the team where you're doing a lot of the work, but you're also creating a lot of the chances and the opportunities and the enjoyment. And so I have always just like 
I love outside back. I'm clearly protective of outside back. Uh, but if I could choose in an ideal world, I would want to play 10. So I think maybe after I'm done playing professionally um, and I retire, which is, you know, 15 years off, that I'll possibly play 10 in whatever league I choose to play in next. And with uh, Becky as my obvious center back. Obviously, because I'll still be back there. <laughs> no, you can choose whatever you I want. Choose, I just I think choose you choose center back. I choose center back. I know, I thought, that's what I thought. By the way, I love that approach to life, Kling, that you're just like constantly telling your coach that you're ready for the number 10 or the number nine role. I just want to bring it up again. I'm always ready. Yeah, they think I'm joking, but I'm not, Raj. Yeah, I know, and they're listening to this podcast and I see a change happening, but pivoting away <laughs> from the Sauerbrunn goal and the Kling at 10, back to Thorne's collective glory. And it feels like it's kind of snuck up on this this year because of all the other tournaments that we've lived through through this summer. But the International Champions Cup is back this week, which is really the closest thing the women's game has to a Club World Cup. The Thorns are hosting again, coming in as defending champions after besting Leon last year. And you take on Mexican League winners Monterey, in the semi-final tomorrow, if you win, you'll face either Chelsea or Leon in the final on Saturday. My God, either team, that is absolutely a tantalising prospect. How much of a gear shift is it for you, tactically and mentally, to flip from playing NWSL teams that you're very familiar with at this point in the season to these unknown quantities? I would actually say there's not much of a tactical shift. I think we're going to stay very true to ourselves and how the Thorns want to play. And we're in the heart of our season. And so we really don't want to have some sort of like philosophical shift just because we're playing two, two great squads. How, how do you think about this tournament, the ICC? You know, in, in some ways, is this just an annual four-game blip on the football calendar in the middle of the season? You know, I'm fascinated. How do you guys view what you're about to experience and compete for? I think it's really awesome. I love being able to play against these international opponents. Um, and especially, I just want to like run up to the Leon players and be like, how about the game last year, huh? That was so fun. <laughs> and just see what they say. Because I had a blast last year. Um, that being said, I also think it's really hard and it's it's really difficult to play this in the middle of our season, especially during this time when we have so many games and the shield is really important to this group. And so I know last year that this had a physical and emotional drain on our team. Uh, and so it's about learning from what happened last year, learning about, okay, like this was really hard on the group. How do we make sure it's not as hard on the group this year as it was last year? But also, it's this really fun experience. Um, the only thing that I would change is that I think it would be really cool to play in Mexico. But obviously, I think Becky might disagree, having just played a ton of games in Mexico. <laughs> I would have loved to play in Mexico again. That It was awesome there. Great old historic stadiums. And when I think about the ICC, like Kling and I are really fortunate that we have gotten to play internationally. And so we face these players oftentimes in these friendlies and world tournaments. And I think about some of the players on our team that, you know, went to college in the States, have only played in the NWSL. And so what a great way to gauge yourself at an international level and to really see how quality the players on the thorns are. So it gets me really excited to see these players that are going to be going up against the greats like a Wendy Renard and, and seeing how they compared and like, can they, can they do it at the international level? Cause I would say, yes, a lot of us can. And you know, I'm curious with the Euros and just the incredible moment, which is please God, much more than the moment. May it be the beginning of a century of attention that the women's game is getting in Europe right now. There's been a lot of talk recently about the European clubs gaining ground on NWSL in terms of quality. Does that raise the stakes? Is there a sense in the locker room that you're not just competing to prove the quality of the thorns, but representatively the quality and the dominance of NWSL at large? But what's wrong with other teams getting better? I, I just don't see what's wrong with that at all. I think that it's... If everybody's getting better, then that's just good for soccer overall. So I refuse to see this as like uh, there's only so much pie and 
you know, they're increasing their share. I just think that the pie is getting bigger. And that's amazing. Like the pie is getting bigger so everybody can have more. Uh, I, I just like don't want to look at this from a place of like loss. I want to look at this from a place of like, hey, this is really great for everybody. And I think that if I want to be the person that I really want to be, um, then that person needs to support women and needs to support other leagues and needs to support just soccer around the world in general. And so I just want... I just want what's best for for women in the sport and in the globally and in the NWSL. Um, that being said, I still want to kick some major ass and uh, <laughs> like have some fun and see if they can handle like the the strengths that we will bring to bear because we have a lot of different strengths and qualities than they'll find in Europe or in Mexico, and so. And, and we're one of the best teams in the league at bringing those strengths to bear. So it will be really fun to see um, how we'll handle what they bring to the pitch and what and what we bring. To Kling's point, I think iron sharpens iron. And so I think it's just great to be able to compete against some of the best players and some of the best clubs in the world. And there's always going to be a sense of pride when you step on the field. So when we step on the field tomorrow, Wednesday, when we play Monterey, and then when we play Chelsea Leon winners, it's just a sense of pride and like you're representing your team, but also the NWSL anyway. A lot of Americans who played in Europe talk about the Champions League as the holy grail of their experience. And the one thing you really can't get playing in NWSL is that kind of competition. Kling, you made it all the way to the final with Swedish club Tiresu in 2014. In an ideal footballing world, would the NWSL participate in some kind of Champions League or, or a real expanded Club World Cup? Yeah, hell yes. These clubs in the NWSL that are, you know, in first, second, third place, um, I just think we need that experience. Not, not just for competition's sake, because competition is great, but for experience's sake. Um, to Becky's point earlier about players playing against international opponents that they don't otherwise get to play against, that is invaluable experience. I know when I'm going up against NWSL attackers, oftentimes they're going to run at me with speed and they're going to try and beat me with their athleticism. But I also know that, you know, that, that can happen in other leagues, of course, but if I'm going to play against, you know, a, a Japanese opponent, that might be a very different way of trying to beat me on the ball, especially if you watch Hinar, our Japanese international. She's incredible, by the way. What a pickup. Go Thorns. But but then you also have to look like the way that England plays, their tactics are much different. The way that Lyon plays, the way that the, they, they build and their attack is much different. It's much more patient than in, in the NWSL. So... It's cool to see these different styles from these different countries. And so um, I think that whenever you get to see all of these different uh, ways of going about the game, you can only improve. And so what's more fun than growth? What's more fun than getting better with your teammates and, and getting these experiences? And then on top of that, you get to meet people from all over the world. When we get to bring people together around a shared passion, then I think we create community. And when we create community, there's less animosity in the world. So I think there's just only upside um, to playing international opponents and getting to know these players. A CONCACAF Champions League, I think we're ready for it. We just need the infrastructure to be to be built. And I think you're going to find that the quality of team and the experience for these teams to play in it, but also for the countries and the, and the leagues to also learn from each other and how to put on events like this. I think that's also important for the growth of the women's game. Speaking of the global game and the Euro specifically, I have been instructed, Becky by the great Andy Sullivan, to ask you about your Euro bracket, which I believe you organised during the tournament. How much can you tell us? What were the stakes? And most importantly of all, who won? Okay, so it was just between Lindsay Horan and Rose LaBelle and myself. And luckily, we all chose different winners. And so up until the last game, it was really like between Rose and I. Like There was a chance that I was going to kind of eke this win out, but... We were trying to figure out what the winner was going to get. And we were joking about, like, I like 
designer bags. It's like one of my like weaknesses. Like I, I know it's, it's bizarre. It doesn't fit with me at all. Or strengths. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. So we were joking, like the winner, like the losers each have to give $2,000. So $4,000 altogether to buy a designer bag. And I'm like, Oh, like I have to win this. Of course I didn't win. Rose wanted to win because she chose England. And what's funny is that like Lindsay and I were both ready to like Venmo her the money. We're like, find us the bag that you want. And she somehow found a bag that was like $3,975. And we're like, of course you find a bag that it was as close to $4,000 as possible. And we're getting ready. Like That's gonna, so funny. we're going to give her the money. Like we're all in. Um, and she's just like, nah, I'm joking guys. Just buy me a coffee at the next camp. So she herself did not even want that Dior bag. And so I'm just going to have to buy her coffee probably for the rest of my life. Wait, note. I need to note on this. I was not a part of this whatsoever, but I just need to say that if Lindsay Haran won, there's no world in which she would say, ha ha, just kidding, get me a coffee. She would find that bag and then she would be like, why isn't it here yet? Why didn't you get overnight shipping? <laughs> I mean, in my heart, I love Lindsay. I don't even know if I would have said just coffee. So I have to like work through that myself and be like, oh, no. Yeah, because I really I, like bags, but I don't know. It, it was a lot of money, but it was all you good. You really money. like bags. Really like bags. Paramount Plus is your choice for championship soccer. A messy Streaming the best teams and biggest stars in America and around the world. Giant stars, huge action. From UEFA Champions League and Serie A. Weston McKinney! NWSL and the CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers. A milestone moment for the United States! Plus the best action from South America and Asia. Oh my, what a goal! So how do you choose from so many champions? You don't have to. This is the best of CBS Sports. Streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Price Picks is the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states across the country, including so many of my favorites, California, Texas, and Georgia. God speed, Georgia. I'm hungry for a dozen lemon pepper wet. But back to Price Picks. We've been hearing from so many WGFOPs who are loving double P, Pablo Picasso, Price Picks, which allows them to win up to 25 times their money for the soccer season, is a reason I do appreciate Price Picks because it's simple. During the Premier League match days, I've got roughly 239 tabs on my computer open as we attempt to work out our social media, the pod rundown, the upcoming interview, you get the drift. But because price picks is easy to play, I'm not having to constantly click to see how my gents are doing or how many certain actions are worth. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and you place your entry. That is how easy it can be. You also mix and match players from several leagues across the globe. Luca De La Torre, I'm looking at you, as well as other sports like basketball oh, and hockey. Oh, the Capitals. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. It's promo code MIB. Prize picks. Pick more or pick less. It's that easy. To the action this past weekend, starting with some not completely unexpected, but still sad news out of Houston last week. Rachel Daly announced that she's staying on in England after the Euros, signing with Aston Villa. She said a tearful goodbye to the fans at halftime during the Dashes 0-0 draw against Racing Louisville Friday. Godspeed to her. It's kind of hard almost to imagine Houston without Daly at this point. She's been there since 2016, captain the team to their first ever trophy during the 2020 Challenge Cup. And she really feels like she's become the beating heart of that franchise in recent years. First of all, as professionals, how do you understand what happened? Rachel Daly always talked about just how much she loved being in the States and playing here. Her move, is it a reflection that in this moment of English glory, just for commercial reasons, it's fun, it's best to stay at home? I wonder. I think there are a lot of individual reasons. And I was, I'm thinking like, well, maybe with the, the World Cup coming up next year, maybe she wants to stay in England so she's closer to training camps and things like that. So there could be a lot of reasons for, for her leaving. But she, I think she's such a loss to the league because she has such a personality and she's been such a cornerstone for Houston. And she's definitely one of those players that I know I hate going up against because she is that good. 
And some players think they're that good. And that's also super irritating to me, but she actually is that good. And so I, in a weird way, I am going to miss her. Gosh, I hope she left for commercial reasons. I hope all of those English players are reaping the benefits of that Euro win. That's amazing. Only a certain amount of girls have access to that in their gym classes. And so they wrote this letter and said, hey, uh, it's awesome that we won, but we want to take on this issue of girls not having the opportunity to play football in a football-crazed nation. I'm sure that 100% of boys have access to playing football in uh, you know, England in their gym classes. So they, they wrote this really amazing, thoughtful letter. And I just loved it because not only were they, you know, stoked to win, but they were also you know, using that platform for good and for something that it's clear that they really cared about. So that was pretty cool to see. I, I really like when players are able to use the game for something uh, to give back to their community in such a beautiful way. That story of the rise of women's football in England is the greatest and most meaningful one I have seen in my lifetime. As they've said, I hope we have only just seen the first chapter. But in terms of Rachel Daly, from a footballing perspective, a team culture POV, how much of a blow is that to the rest of the locker room having to suddenly unplanned almost say goodbye to not just a key player but the captain of your team in mid-season like this how destabilizing would that be oh incredibly destabilizing we have an unwritten rule at the thorns um where we don't really like to do mid-season trades that's not really our thing and i don't know if it's like a it was a mark thing or a front office thing or what but we really like to keep the core together, especially once we figure out who we want on the team and how and what role they're going to play because we know that keeping that core together and keeping everybody tight is one of the most important things. Keeping that culture, that living, breathing uh, culture right is, an, is a full-time job. And so when you bring new people in or let important people go, it totally changes the culture and then it takes a little bit of a reset to to get back to the point where you feel comfortable. So uh, we always try to keep the locker room as much the same as we can throughout the season for a reason, because we know that it'll help us long-term over the course of the year on our campaign to win the Shield, to win everything. Game of the weekend, in my mind, one of the most exciting games of the season so far, a seven-goal feast between North Carolina and Kansas City on Saturday. Kansas City finally taking the game 4-3, courtesy of an absolute wonder goal from French player Claire Lavoger, who signed for the club from Bordeaux just last month. Kansas City extending their remarkable win streak to 10 games. The Courage, on the other hand, currently sit in last place. It's actually hard to believe that is where they are. Granted, they played a couple of games fewer than those teams around them. But thinking about the run of elite seasons that the Courage have had over the past five years, how dominant they've been, do you think that actually makes it harder now to deal with this rut without any kind of collective reference point of last time this year, we were also struggling, but we pulled through? Yeah, I think winning is is kind of a habit. And when you get out of the habit and you haven't had to like kind of find your way back to the surface, it can be extremely difficult. And they have been such a dynasty for the last several years and they've lost some key players. And, and some of those key players maybe would have been able to help them get back to the surface. And so it's, it's tough because they're such a dangerous team. Still, they've got world-class players. It's just tough when you're letting goals in the, the way that they are to, to get those wins. And really for them to me, it only is going to take one or two games and they're going to be reminded about what it takes to win. And they're going to be right back into it. So I think no one should sleep on North Carolina. Yeah. Hopefully they don't remember that before next Wednesday, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on this Portland <laughs> Thorns pod special Saturday. Also saw Orlando Pride best San Diego off a slightly controversial penalty in the 23rd minute. And on Sunday, O.L. Rain took down a floundering Gotham 4-1. It breaks my heart to witness Gotham yet to find their feet after firing head coach Scott Parkinson last week. And O.L. Rain coach Laura Harvey, on the other hand, 
has become now the winningest coach in league history with that win. And we haven't talked that much about coaches on this podcast so far this season. But Becky, Laura Harvey, a veritable NWSL institution, three-time NWSL Coach of the Year. You were with her at Utah Royals. Can you articulate what makes her so bloody good, what she's bringing to the table that makes her the winningest coach in league history? I think she is an excellent tactician. And when she gets the board up and she's doing the X's and O's and the spaces and the things that she sees and how she explains it, I really am like, wow, like I am learning. And at my age, with all the years of experience, like when you sit and you're actually like, I'm learning something today, like such a great feeling. Laura's also a really good person manager. I think she builds relationships. She's a relationship coach. You want to play for her. There is something on the line for you. Like you would run through a wall for her because she'll do that for you. And I think that goes a long way. The game saw two goals and assists from Megan Rapino. Really an old school Rapino performance as we head into the final stretch of the season with the standings almost unbelievably tight. Angel City, two points off a playoff berth at the moment with 21 points. Other than Portland, and I'm not just saying that because I've got you on, no team has more than 25 points, meaning that with seven or eight matches left to play, depending on the team, this is maybe accepting the squads at the very bottom, still anyone's playoffs to make. Worth noting on this All Portland podcast that the Thorns have widened the gap between them and the rest. You're currently sitting three points in front at the top of the table. I know you're not quite there yet. Is there a moment where you let yourselves relax a little, start to focus on the playoffs? So is it just head down, assume nothing in this crazy league all the way up until the end of the regular season? That second one for sure. Um, it's, yeah, no, it's one game at a time. We, we're not, we're honestly not looking ahead. We just want to make sure every game that we come to that we bring ourselves, uh, we bring our will and to the game and, and the way that we want to play and our style. And I think as long as we keep in that mindset and stop looking at like, don't look at the table, don't look, you know, ahead, uh, then we'll be fine. This group is really great. And it's a really fun group. I think it's a special group as well. Uh, but no, no chance we're looking ahead. We're we're head down. We're at practice when we're at practice. We're at games when we're at games. And, and that's, you know, all we can do right now is just making sure that we're doing our best in the moment. Becky, does the shield mean something to you? Or is it the ultimate prize that everybody's focused on? I love the shield. And in all of my years playing for the NWSL, I had not won it until last year. And it was really important to me. It is hard to win this league. It is insanely hard and it means something. And so when we won it in Houston, I mean, we celebrated Kling bought bags of margaritas for all of us. We were just going wild because it does mean something. And we wanted to celebrate it. Yeah. Slap the bag. Cue Zola short keg stands. (laughs) One last weekend highlight. A lot of excitement on Twitter yesterday after Janelle Monet was spotted at Angel City's game, the electric lady herself. Here's my question. If you could invite any celebrity in the world to attend a Thorns game, who would it be? Oh, my Clean. God, Raj. Wait, we were just talking about this. I'm so excited. Becky, this is the best question that's ever happened to me on a podcast or anything. Okay, so we were sitting. Where were we? Louisville? Yeah. Okay, we're sitting in Louisville, and it's our entire team. So we were talking about Jennifer Garner, how she showed up with orange slices, and we were like, who could we, you know, from our city, a Portland celebrity, show up to a Thorns match and do something similar? So we're all racking our brains. We're like, who's the most famous Portland celebrity, okay? So we came up with Damian Lillard first. And then second was definitely Christine Sinclair. (laughs) So we're like, okay, we got to branch out a little bit. And so we started thinking and I was like, I was like, oh my God, what about Darcel? Darcel is the oldest drag queen in the world. Okay. She is badass. She owns her own space and uh, still puts on drag shows at like, I think 91 years old. So oldest, oldest drag queen in the world. So Darcel is a very famous character. So we came up with Darcel, the Unipiper. We don't know who the Unipiper is except for this guy who shows up at every current event on a unicycle playing the bagpipes. 
And sometimes there's fire that comes out of the bagpipe. So we came up with the Unipiper and Darcel. So we said, okay, I re- we were like, hell yeah, we want to invite Darcel and have her uh, basically pass out CBD gummies for recovery after the game. <laughs> So it might be the most Portland moment in Portland history. You know what? That one, both of them, I think we could probably make that real. Paramount Plus is your choice for championship soccer. A messy tour de force. Streaming the best teams and biggest stars in America and around the world. Giant stars, huge action. From UEFA Champions League and Serie A. Western McKinney. NWSL and the CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers. A milestone moment for the United Plus the best action from South America and Asia. Oh my, what a goal. So how do you choose from so many champions? You don't have to. This is the best of CBS Sports, streaming on Paramount+. Plus. If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta SkyMiles business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. To the weekend ahead, starting with streaking Kansas City versus Janelle Monet's Angel City at 8 p.m. Eastern Friday on CBS Sports Network. Then Saturday, North Carolina versus the Chicago Red Stars at 7 p.m. That game streaming on Twitch. Also at 7, Gotham takes on Orlando Pride on Paramount+. Plus. And at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, it's a sadly Kalen Sheridan-less San Diego as they take on Ebony Salmon and the Houston Dash. That game on Twitch as well. Plus, 11 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, without jinxing anything, you can see, well, hopefully Darcel at the glorious Portland Thorns <laughs> game in the final, please God, of the International Champions Cup. I will bring Unipiper myself if you get to the final. If not... Catch him at 8 p.m. Eastern for the third place match. I said that under my breath, so I wasn't offending anyone else on this podcast. You guys are defending champions, playing with home field advantage, and Providence Park is some incredible advantage. Tell us your mindset going into this thing. Does it feel like anything less than a trophy is failure, or is it just like we're going up against some of the best teams in the world? Let's just savor it. Well, I know what Kling is going to say. It's not about wins and losses. It's all about but the it experience. Is, but it is, because he always adds on the end. It's always about fun and goodness and eating and pies getting bigger, but we need to kick ass. He always adds that and we need to kick ass at the end. Exactly. I never but said that I'm moment. not competitive. I'm still competitive. I'm a competitive person, but that just means that, you know, I, just, I like to play for something bigger than just winning and losing because at the end of the day, like, whatever. It's already in the past, the win or the loss. <laughs> But yeah, she's on a higher plane again, like we talked about earlier. But yeah, absolutely, we're going into this, for me, um, wanting to see where we stack up against these other teams and some of these other players, but also putting in a solid performance and yeah, holding a trophy at the end because I do want to win everything. God, to winning everything. As always, you can try Paramount Plus for free on us by going to ParamountPlus.com slash M-I-B-T-W-G. That's M-I-B-T-W-G. And that's it for this week. I am going to ask you both to have the final word. End us with a final note of optimism. Can you both, Kling, Becky, tell us something that's been bringing you joy this week? Can I go first? Please do. Um, What has brought me joy is this podcast because Kling is my person and one of my best friends in all the world. And to be able to share a locker room and a soccer field and just life and having a person that is your go-to, I can be my weirdest, most authentic self. Um, It's, I think, truly, I feel so fortunate. And so to do this podcast and just to be able to share her way of thinking, my way of thinking, and just all of that is brings me joy. Okay, I'm crying. Well, don't make me cry. Woo, thanks, Bex. Yeah, I really love you too. A lot. Ugh. Anyways, even though you haven't invited me to your house yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
One thing that has really, really brought me joy this week is um, I celebrated a birthday um, just a few weeks ago. And it was one of the hardest ones that I've ever had. And um, my friends really showed up for me in a lot of ways. And it was... uh, it's something that I'm incredibly grateful for. But my my friends, Lauren and Danny, Danny Foxhoven, she used to play in the league. They got me an orchid. It's pretty much the most beautiful orchid I've ever seen. And they, they must have spent a lot of money on it. But that's not why it matters to me. Um, whenever I used to travel, they used, they used to live here in Portland and they used to take care of my flowers. And they've literally killed every orchid that I've ever owned. <laughs> and so they they got me an orchid and uh it's just a reminder of of the really amazing people that I have in my life that will take care of my flowers and I I, I don't trust them with my flowers anymore but if I ever end up having kids I know that I would very much trust them with with my kids because they're amazing moms oh clink happy birthday Happy, happy birthday. Wishing you a year <laughs> of health and strength and glory oh, and oh, Thank you. just orchid vibrancy. That concludes the women's game this week. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode. And Megan Klingenberg, what a transcendent joy it has been to podcast with you. Oh, thank you, Raj. I love being with you guys. It's always fun with Raj, but it's especially fun when Sarah Broughton's on here with me. <laughs> Everybody needs a friendship like that. And Becky Sauerbrun, you are and will always be a truly incredible human being. Godspeed and thank you. Thanks, Raj. Thanks for having me on again. This is Raj saying courage and go. Go Thorns. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. or. You can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Okay, so if you had a time machine, how far in time would you need to go back to be a dominant basketball player of that era? <laughs> I need to go to when Bob Cousy was playing. Back I would, in, in the plumber days? 27-year-old Shea would give Bob Cousy the f***ing business. <laughs> He's not guarding me. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. And it's the best. Each week, Shay and I are combing through all of the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling ones, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. Follow six trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Six Trophies ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.